Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from a secret underground bunker, deep behind enemy lines, one of the last few voices of reason is on. This is the A.J. Bruno Show. On now. Hello, welcome to an all-new episode of the AJ Russia, the ultimate in conservative talk radio. Uh, it's great to be back. Uh, this is your host, AJ Brenner, uh, back as usual. We have uh, quite a bit to discuss today. It will certainly be a good show, so uh, keep with me. And uh, there should be lots of fun in store, lots of... Um, well, not for the liberals, but uh, <laughs> we never like making things fun for them, do we? We like to uh, make them mad here. That's, that's what we do. That's the AJ Bruno show. Let's we pride ourselves on that. You know, that's just the way we roll here. Okay. Now, what uh, we'll to touch on today? Why don't we start with this whole issue of? Uh, Gay marriage at Iowa. Let me start with my opening rant on this subject uh, before we move on. And if you want to participate, uh, comment on anything in the show, uh, it's 347-308-8073 is the number. So feel free to uh, give us a call. Let us know what you think, whether it's whether you agree with me, whether you disagree with me. Everything's fair game. All right. Now, <clears throat> I am just, I mean, can you really be surprised that these liberal activist courts would do these sorts of things uh, in this day and age? I am not, obviously. Uh, but for this, I uh, I guess it was the Supreme Court there, to say that a ban on gay marriage is somehow unconstitutional and saying that by uh, April 24th, they have to allow gays and lesbians to openly marry um, in Iowa is beyond atrocious. Okay, number one, it is no right for the minority to press their view on the majority. And then people, and number two, when people bring in the whole argument that, oh, well, you know, um, if it's the majority that's uh, taking away the rights guaranteed, that's supposed to be guaranteed to the minority, different story, uh, blah, blah, blah. Well, no. <laughs> it's not a different story because of several things. Once again, number one, there is no right to gay marriage in the Constitution. It's one of these things that the liberal clubs invent. No, the left, they like to just make things up that just aren't there because they can't defend their arguments based on anything else. And number two, number two, you have the whole idea that, oh, this is disgusting and perverse, and you don't have a right to do something like that. You know, if you have a right to this, you have a right to bestiality, you have a right to pedophilia, you have a right to polygamy, you have a right to marry um, inanimate objects. You know, it doesn't end because you can't just say, well, you know, we can let this one group have these sorts of uh, privileges, but uh, these others can't. 
because everyone's going to want it. And then there's going to be a precedent to say, well, it's unconstitutional to deny these fundamental rights to, to, you know, to Americans. We can't do that. We can't let this happen. You know, you, one, one thing starts, which is bad enough, and that sets a precedent for a whole string of progressively worse uh, court actions and court abuses. We've seen this with other issues in the past. The courts inventing things that just don't exist and pressing their radical agenda. You know, it's the John Walter Court of this country said, one, preserve the Constitution, two, protect the law in that order. And that's not being done. That is not being done. You know? And if the laws that are made conflict with the Constitution, that's another issue too. But any gay marriage does not conflict with that. Because the if the framers thought it was so important, they would have put something that even remotely hinted at it. Not not present. You know, I, I love how it's supposed to be our rights to to bear arms. But the radical left loves to restrict that, even though it's explicit and takes out the Second Amendment, which so apparently they thought was extremely important when they were framing the Constitution, when they were drafting it. Um, I don't see anything about gay marriage. Uh, I don't see anything about uh, murdering born babies. I don't see anything about guaranteeing rights to terrorists who uh, murder innocent people. But yet, this is what the left does. When they infiltrate the courts, and their infiltration in our court systems are incredibly deep, incredibly deep. And when they do that, they can really push their agenda as much as they want. You know? Take, um, take the right for the Supreme Court uh, for judicial review, which didn't exist until um, Marbury v. Madison. It wasn't in the Constitution originally. Yet, somehow we, you know, this is, I don't think they should have that power. You know, the branches were specifically balanced by some incredibly brilliant and knowledgeable men who are far more in terms of caliber than most of the people we have these days, which is very sad. Which is very sad. But the fact that they would just go out there and just completely go against what what the Constitution says. Or let's say it'll take a law, you know. Um, and they've done this in the past. The examples that I use. Uh, you know, whether it's gay marriage or you know, let's go let's go further back than that. The whole sodomy decision, the abortion decisions, um, wiretapping, other rights for these uh, terrorists. Let's, let's use these examples because I think they're some of the most egregious in history. Um, you know, removing school prayer. I mean, we can go on and on. There are dozens and dozens of examples. But so they. They take these. They take these 
they're perverse views. And they make these decisions. They reverse constitutional laws, laws that are put in place for good reason. People don't just do this from the heck of it, you know. Um, it's for the benefit of our society, for the protection of our society. All these issues that have been completely abused by the courts. And this is just the most recent of these egregious um, abuses. It's been going on for decades. If the court, um, if the court doesn't, doesn't have this building, maybe we wouldn't be so far away from that, so far away from the actual foundation of our country. Look where we've drifted. They've drifted way off course. Way off. And if we don't, uh, you know, the fact that we get this is just allowed. 100% of the people could say they want something. Could say, uh, well, not 100. 99.9% could say they want something. Say, this is right. This is what we want. This is what we want the law to be. Advised by the Constitution, and the courts say, "Well, we disagree." Just like that, they can just undo it and enforce their will. We saw this whole thing in California too, where they uh, had that proposition that got rid of that ridiculous decision by the by the court, the uh, California Supreme Court. Substantial majority voted to get rid of it. Yet people were still trying to. And get around it, find loopholes around us. You know, I mean, where have we gotten? Where have we gone as a country? That this is just considered just fine. It's fine, you know. And that you're somehow uh, not progressive if you don't support this thing. And the, the left has, excuse me, the left has completely uh, altered what the word progressive should mean. See. They're, a lot of them are ashamed to call themselves liberals. It's like a dirty word, if you can't say it. They try and call themselves progressives. Well, conservatives are far more progressive than liberals. The only difference is we're progressive within the confines of our Constitution and the confines of the principles of this country. They go outside of them. The rules change depending on the circumstances for the left. That's just how they roll. How they always roll. There's some confusion on how we're looking at this uh, gay marriage this year. Uh, I'm trying to look at it from a larger perspective also. Uh, so someone was confused about it. Yeah. It's a moral issue, but it's also an issue that Is part of what could destroy America. Because it's morally wrong. Not only is it morally wrong, and, and people say, well, you, know, you can't say that, then you go into, uh, you know, biblical arguments, per se. Well, you don't need to make those arguments because it's not constitutional. That's the bottom line. 
That's what these people who try and say, well, you know, the Constitution is a living document. You know, we can, it's supposed to evolve, which is basically them saying we can take things that are completely absent, that don't apply at all, and just stick it in there. Just say, well, you know, we have this. Like I said before, like this imaginary right to privacy. Okay, not in the Constitution. That's just a way for the left to justify some more radical elements of their agenda. And if we, a lot of people think that we should just get in on certain issues, the times are changing, that we should just let them get away with some of them. Well, we've done this in the past, and it doesn't work out. You can't give and take with these people. For them, it's all or nothing. It is a nonstop liberal crusade to fundamentally undermine and alter the whole premise of this country. And we can't do that. We can't say, you know, we can't, we can't, we can't say, um, Jesus isn't there. But people try and try and act like, you know, we, we have to support our president. You know, we might not agree with all his policies, but, you know, we have to be behind him because of what he stands for and blah, 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 blah. Well, supporting him means supporting all of these policies. You know, like um, do, um, get, getting rid of uh, Don't Ask, Don't Tell, which apparently they're going to put down the road for now um, because if they were spending so much time on that when the economy is the worst it's been in 30 years, uh, <laughs> that wouldn't fly with the American people. But at some point in the future, what are they going to do again? They're going to go against what the Constitution does not say anything about, they're going to say, oh, oh you know, well, you know, we have to let this in here because it's, uh, you know, it's um, equal protection or something like that or it's part of their right to privacy or other, other nonsense, nonsensical excuse. Well, either take something that in no way applies or it'll invent something that just doesn't even exist in it, which is how they justify everything. And if we don't do this, if we don't say something about it, if we don't stand up and say, you know what, President Obama, you're wrong. You know what, radical left, you're wrong. We're not going to support this. We're going to fight you off. Not give some ground and take some ground. That's not how you win these votes. That's how a lot of people think. You know? That you just need to give in and give it to the times and let things go. Well, once you do that, it doesn't stop. And eventually, they'll get their way. There's countries we know it will not be recognizable. We're already heading down that road. 
think if you disagree with me or if you want to add something, take that as something, whatever, whatever is your thing, uh, give me a call, 347-308-8073. Is it ever? I'd love to hear from you, regardless of your viewpoint. Okay. But anyway, back to the, back to the issue of him. If we allow them to just do this, won't stop. And people need to see the larger issue too. Because we're talking about getting rid of zone ass don't tell. Since we're tying into this whole game manager business. It's not just about that. Of course the left loves to push their radical news and do whatever they can to stick it to the founding fathers. That's their whole lot of reason for being pretty much. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what they're all about. That's just what they're all about. If they got their way with the Stone Ass Motel thing, and apparently they couldn't just change the policy. Um, I heard they have to push it through Congress, so, you know, that depends on certain people voted, but uh, it stands now. Who knows? Who knows? But uh, this is really about, that's really, that's really about destroying the military. Because they want to take everything that represents tradition of this country, everything that represents our constitutional principles, our values, they want to twist it, alter it, and ultimately crush it. One institution at a time. And they've done this so many ways. They've done it to the they've done it to the uh, the phone. Excuse me. <laughs> they come to the school. Um, and I've <coughs> excuse me. And they've done it to every or many facets of our of our society. I mean, look at the way that the law is pursued in Look at what we learn in school these days. What they teach in school these days. You know, I remember uh, in sixth grade. Now, in sixth grade, mind you, before I even had a opinion on this. And I remember the vice principal was, like, listening in as if, what, if someone said something she disagreed with, she'd have to tell them... Uh, explain to them they can't say these things or can't have these opinions or whatever. And this was a help. And we were uh, discussing, uh, you know, and okay, the question that came up was, if you had a friend who told you they were gay, would you still be friends with them? That's like, okay, I'm in sixth grade. One, this is not in no way relevant to me. And two, I mean, this isn't pushing your agenda in the public school. I don't know what it is. You know, people are still forming. You really don't have opinions that are... don't have opinions are cemented. And trying to morph their minds 
but just this new age uh, leftist social mindset. <clears throat> Somehow they, they want you to think that it's just normal to... And look, I don't, I don't care what someone's views are. That, that's what makes America great. You're supposed to. Now, supposed to, mind you. This is not the case anymore, thanks to the left. You're supposed to be able to have whatever sorts of opinions you want, as long as you're not directly violating someone else's rights. But with that said, with that said, you're not supposed to be able to Um, what am I, that's where I'm looking for. I can't think of the word I'm looking for. But yes, you're supposed to have these viewpoints, but your actions are a different story. And they should remain a different story. Because if you don't know what someone's thinking, or what they're saying to an extent, as long as you're not saying, I'm going to blow your brains out, whatever, that's fine. But when people take action, that are just fundamentally unhealthy, unnatural, detrimental to themselves, to others, to society at large, I think that's a different story. All right, uh, let's, let's go to the phones for now. Uh, all right, we have a caller on line one. Hello, you're on the AJ Bruno Show. Is this AJ? It is. Hello. Hi, AJ. Um, I'm using Skype, and I keep getting this really weird echo. Um, so I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to disconnect and call you on the main line. Sure, whatever works. Your connection okay, or...? Okay. Um, hi, callers. Welcome to call back if you have a clear connection. Um, do I call up? 347-308-8073. Love to hear what you have to say about this issue or uh, or anything else that we'll discuss in the show. Okay. I'll get back to the point while we're waiting uh, for them or anyone else who would like to chime in here. Now, uh, we're talking about separating this whole issue of your viewpoints and the behaviors that might reflect those viewpoints. There's a big difference. Um, you know, that's why that's why we used to have laws that restricted uh, certain behaviors. Since uh, we're on this we're touching on this whole uh, perversion of the law that the Iowa Supreme Court has taken, and the whole trend that has been going on regarding this issue. You know, think about that. Think about it this way. Every state used to have some sort of sodomy law. Every state, all 50 of them. So clearly at some point, people felt uh, this was important to, to regulate, important to our traditions, to our values somehow. 
But uh, okay, let's go back to phones. Um, hello, Boston Yes, welcome back. Yeah, I'm back. I'm sorry about that. Skype seems no to be problem. going a little crazy today. Yeah. I'm, you know, I've been listening to what you what what you've been saying, and you know, I I have to be honest with you. I'm sort of caught between a rock and a hard place because I have a gay brother, and I have a transgendered sister, and right. I'm the only uh, straight boy in the family. I have two natural sisters. And um, the issue of gay marriage has come up on, on numerous occasions during the family conclaves. And frankly, you know, if you look back at the, at the issue itself and the history of the issue, it was originally started over um, uh, the rights of, of individuals, whether they be gay or, or heterosexual, living together in or out of wedlock. And... Um, property rights and rights to inheritance and that kind of thing. And then it ballooned into gay marriage. <clears throat> you know, ultimately, I'm of the opinion, for what it's worth, that in the end, you know, bad pun, um, in the end, God's one is going to have to sort all that out. Uh, I don't believe it to be a constitutional issue. I believe it to be a state issue. And as far as the Constitution is concerned, um, you know, I'm sorry, I don't consider the Constitution of the United States to be a living document subject to change at the whim of whatever administration happens to be in office at the time. Um, You know, we're already looking at, uh, with this current administration, we're looking at gross violations of the Constitution of the United States in, in more than one way, and um, I've got a feeling that at some point Obama is going to come out in favor of, of gay marriage, and it'll be a done deal. No matter uh, you know, no matter what we think or say. Yeah, I think it's I think it's inevitable too. Uh, it seems like they just change their positions whenever uh, their liberal base wants to push certain things. So, yeah, I definitely think it's inevitable. Um, well, okay, let's say, now I don't think I necessarily agree with this, um, but let's just say, go with your argument, that it should be a state issue. Now, if it's a state issue, then what business is it of the federal courts to strike down all these laws that the citizens of these states have put in place? And we've seen that in so many, so many instances, um, just trying to abuse their authority and go against the will of the people and the legislatures in these states. Um, well, you there know. you run. There you run into a sovereignty issue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And unfortunately, uh, what people don't realize is, is that it, uh, with the Civil War, um, all of the states have technically lost their right to sovereignty. Mm-hmm. Um, Civil War was never fought over the issue of slavery. It was fought over the rights of the states to decide the questions or the question of slavery for themselves. Slavery just happened to be a a side issue. But the real issue was the sovereignty of the states. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people uh, seem to misinterpret that. And when you think about it, um, you know, maybe maybe that did 
set a dangerous precedent that we that we see that we see nowadays because you have these so not not so much the legislature or the court specifically just going out there and totally abusing authority and so you have these liberal elites that make it into the courts that just you know go and undermine that. And you, know, you said, too, that you agree with me that the Constitution is not a living document, but yet the left will go out there and say that you have a right to all these things that just don't exist there. Um, and, I mean, it must be a hard situation for you, uh, especially, uh, given what you told me. But, um, you know, I just think something something has got to be done about it, because if you look at the trends that have been going on in the past 40-plus uh, you know, years, it's not leading anywhere good. Well, I, I can't argue with you on that, but then again, if you look at the trend of what's been happening over the last 73, four days, um, we, are, we are very quickly heading towards socialism. And the issue of gay marriage and, and, and uh, um, you know, gay, gay unions and stuff like that, you know, it's going to be dictated to us whether we like it or not. Yeah. Um, you know, and Obama's right about one thing. It is going to get worse before it gets better. But the question is, how much worse will it get? Yeah, it'll get, well, it'll get worse uh, thanks to his policies, uh, what we can see so far. Um, but, you know, this is what a, a small majority of, of people voted for. And I especially love, well, not love, but, you know, um, you know all these voters, for instance, a about two thirds of Hispanics and almost all blacks, and a lot of them who would say they have, uh, I guess, culturally conservative views, and you know, probably not, so obviously not socialist views. Yet they support this guy, and he, I mean, these people should have known the kind of agenda he was going to push. He's not, you know, he's not moderate. Um, maybe though, even though Clinton wasn't moderate, he ran as a moderate, and yet people just buy it, you know, bought into his uh, nonsensical, empty rhetoric and. Apparently, knew nothing about the policies that he was going to institute. Well, least, you know, I, I find it interesting that throughout his whole campaign, he talked about change, change you can believe in, but he never told us what that change was going to be. Well, we, they voted for change. Now they're finding out. And uh, it's not a pretty picture. Uh, in this G20 thing, I, honest to God, think he sold us out. Yeah. Um, There's no question in my mind that he has sold us out. And and I find it interesting. I don't know. Did you see the uh, Associated Press picture of Obama bowing to King Abdullah of Saudi Arabia? (laughs) Yeah, I didn't see that one specifically, but I... Well, the king had a real... King had a real funny look on his face, so he couldn't tell whether Obama was bowing or giving him a blowjob. But the fact of the matter is, is that every Arab nation is now making hay over the fact that the president of the United States made obeisance to a foreign king, which indicates to them that he will do what that foreign king commands of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, that is the most embarrassing thing that has ever happened in the United States. Um, aside from giving the queen an iPod, but you know, <laughs> and don't forget giving Prime Minister Brown the wrong region uh, with those DVDs. 
but you know the the you know, the issue the issue at hand gay marriage um you know ultimately i think what we're going to have to do is is that um i'm not gay it's not a lifestyle i particularly care for um but at the same time you know this is this is the least of our worries at this point i think and i and i and i really believe that I really, I really think that things are going to get a whole hell of a lot tougher. Well, they're going to get worse in a lot of in a lot of ways. But like I said, though, for instance, this whole thing with uh, getting rid of "don't ask, don't tell," it's really part of a larger leftist agenda to undermine the entire military. So you can really tie it into our national security. I mean, the way they think is very coordinated, very specific. They know what they're going to do, and they have a larger agenda at hand. Have you have you have you noticed how you know every day it's always something new, one scandal after another, and it keeps coming at us faster and faster and faster until we have sensory overload, and people don't know what to think or on any given subject. Have you noticed that? Yes, yes. It, that shows me that there's something else going on that uh, they're directing our attention away from. Well, that's what they do. They they try and deflect from certain uh, certain you know like with the during the campaign, you know people weren't paying attention to his other radical views or his associations uh, because of the economy, and it was based on that. Uh, I mean, obviously he shouldn't have won on those premises, but yeah, that's what they do. They deflect attention to try and do it for their benefit. Well, I'm just waiting to see what happens and hoping that we can come out of this with some sort of dignity. Um, There's a bunch of us out there trying to figure out how to to deal with it and and how to eliminate the problem as as far as as his his dictates and everything, uh, yeah. particularly the issue of socialized medicine and everything. Well, listen, I've hogged the phone enough, and thank you for letting me talk to you. And, uh, no problem. Uh, good luck to you. you have thank a good you. One. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, thank you for that caller. Uh, why don't we go back to the phones? Hello. You're on the A.J. Bruno show. Uh, 631. Hello. Hello. Okay, uh, we're having a problem with that caller. Anyway, uh, yeah, let's get back to this. Look, I understand uh, that there are some different views, some different views on this. You know, what we should concentrate on specifically. Uh, maybe some people think this isn't as important to, to focus on, but I think it is because you can't give ground on any issue to the left. It's just like, um, think of it from a strategic point of view. you got your army facing another army, and you're strong on in the center, but not a flank, but you leave your other flank exposed, well, what's the other army going to do? They're going to pressure that flank, attack it, go around, make your army fold, then they're going to bag the whole thing. It really is the same thing. That's where the West thinks, in a political sense, but true. 
It is true. That's just the way it is. That is just the way it is. Um, but look. This, let's get back to this for a second. Yes, the, all right, well, let's see, let's, well, let's, oh, <laughs> all right, sorry to confuse here. Let's try and see if the phones work again. We got a bunch of calls. Uh, you know, there's always issues with the switchboard. I don't know what's up with this or people trying to get through and whatnot. Okay, let's, let's try and get this on here. Uh, hello, caller, can you hear me? Yes, uh, this is outside the box. Reza, uh, hi, Don. Oh, good, good, how are you? Yes, uh, so what's the topic to, for today? Oh, uh, we got a lot. So far, we're touching on this whole uh, gay marriage fiasco and how, you know, Obama and the left are just using using this as another issue in their larger agenda. Uh, first of all, I need to give moving forward hello this, uh, and uh, Diana, proud Texan, and uh, Strength73, and uh, Symboyet, and also Bill English. Hello, because these are my beloved listeners too, so, and also your beloved listeners. So, anyway, the bottom line is you are absolutely right. Uh, you know, our country is going down the tube every day. I mean, he pledged $500 billion to African and other nations. And uh, then also said $1 billion for Latin America. So I don't understand uh, from where he's going to bring this money. And uh, bankrupt country, how can you save another bankrupt countries? And uh, then, on top of it, as you say, there is a gay marriage. Uh, he, he, he wants to endorse it, I believe, as you said. And that, again, is not good. And he says it's okay to kill, to abortion. So he's a pro-abortion. So basically, I mean, uh, every angle you look at, look at it, Obama is uh, Obama nation of the U.S. and the world. It continues. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, yeah, you know, all these bailouts and, and whatnot, he's just taking money out of thin air, giving it away and and whatnot. You know, his priorities aren't in, aren't in the right place. Uh, you know, he could talk about trying to be a humanitarian or whatever he's trying to say. But yeah, he's a radic- he's radically pro-abortion. He's um, putting a lot of people's lives at stake in this country and abroad by his irresponsible foreign policy. Um, you know, I mean, but this is the situation we're stuck with because of 52.7% of the population who just doesn't get it and apparently doesn't care enough about America to put someone in office who actually can protect it and preserve our Constitution. As long as you put three things in the hands of people, everybody will be happy. Prostitution, uh, beer, wine, uh, etc., and teriyak, hashish, and uh, dope. You put in the hands of people, I mean, we see that they just 
12 million uh, pounds of uh, dope were captured a few days ago in the Mexican borderline. But what happened to it? Just uh, they took the truck to the government office buildings, and uh, basically now the distribution is going to be from the government side instead of the mafia, Mexican mafia side. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, yeah, I've uh, I've I've heard the I've heard the same thing. Uh, but you know, it's like what what do we expect? He's not going to be strong on any of these issues. Um, I can't think of a single thing he's done right so far. So I mean, it's pretty much everything to complain about. And also they created the mass casualties on Birmingham, New York, and, uh, you know, it was a controlled experiment. It was a government experiment. And because this is a mass shooting again happened in Philadelphia, three police officers dead, and there was another one, another, uh, I mean, we stick left and right, we see this kind of events because uh, suddenly happens because they have agenda to take all your guns away from you and uh, basically disarm you like a United Kingdom. So basically then the tyranny comes after that. And like Iran, it's, uh, when a revolution took place, everybody had a gun. But then what happened, uh, slowly, slowly they uh, said, well, you come and give your guns, we give you money, etc. Uh, same tactics they use, and then and not disarm Iranian. Then now 30 years of uh, hell and tyranny is on Iranian nation, Iranian country, and we have a terrorist government in charge of the whole operations. I mean, so you see Iranians cannot do anything either. I mean, they have done, they have done mass demonstration, etc., but they didn't go anywhere because Iranians are one one paycheck to become homeless. I mean, USA, we are two paychecks to become homeless. So, but during the Shah's time, it was different. Everybody rich, pretty much. I mean, you could go one year without uh, even working, and you could have enough food uh, for your family. You close your door. You say, I'm not going outside. And we're not going boycott total the national strike, but we cannot do that here in the United States. That's the problem. Uh, you know exactly. And if we do do that in the United States, then there's no one to stop. Uh, you know, nuts like Ahmadinejad or anyone. Um, you know, any any threat like that around the world, because we see you know, we see what's going on in Europe now. They they don't want to stand up uh, for anything anymore, and. I mean, really, there's not a whole lot of of countries. Options. Options. There's not a lot of options left for us. I mean, except just, uh, uh, just I ask everybody to be calm in the time of martial law and uh, do not provoke anything and let them use uh, Plan B, which is illegal immigrants. Let them use them as a backup and riot, whatever they want to do. So let them do it. Uh, let them hurt, not Americans. Because if you do, then because their forces are a little bit uh, more trained and much better than our forces, 
patriotic forces. So therefore, we are going to be hurt. I mean, unless if they do not bother you, you do not bother them. But if they come and <clears throat> threaten you or something like that, then you have right to self-defense you 100% and, uh, you know, uh, f for sure. But, but, but don't provoke anything with them. Just let them do whatever they want them to do. I mean, just be nice as possible to them because uh, remember Gandhi brought British imperialism down. We can do it the same way too, but we don't have the manpower. We don't have the unity. We don't have the, you know, the savings to do that. Uh -huh. All right. Well, uh, hey, thanks for the thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, okay. Let me touch. Let me touch on on what he just. Uh, I I don't really agree with with uh, with that. Um, pacifism doesn't work. Uh, this whole thing about world peace. Yeah, it's a nice concept, but. It's not feasible. It's not feasible. Because we have a situation um, where you've got these nuts who are going to go and threaten us. Um, you know, they are starting the trouble with us. They are instigating us. Not the other way around. It's not the other way around. You know, we can't just mind our own business and, and whatnot. And if we do do that... Uh, they're not just going to leave us alone. <clears throat> These are radicals. Radical fundamentalists, whether they're fundamentalist Muslims, uh, Sunni, Shiite, whatever, fundamentalist communists, uh, whatever. Take your pick, depending on the region, depending on whatnot. They're going to start trouble with us. Got that Nat Kim Jong-il. Got this Nat Kim jong Um... Shoshana to start something. I mean, just threats all over the planet, all over the globe. And we can't just sit here and mind our own business. Because if we just sit here and mind our own business, well, we're going to see 9-11 again. And it's going to be worse this time. We were minding our own business then. You know, people might say, well, we shouldn't have been meddling in their Middle East affairs and whatnot. Well, if there was no U.S. presence in the Middle East, What would happen to, uh, to Israel, for instance? There are millions and millions of people out there, and there's governments out there. We want to see it, in the words of, uh, of the great president, uh, a good friend of our, our wonderful president, you know, wipe it off the face of the map. They would just love to do that, love to do it. That's why it is important, it is vital, it is critical that we, America, be the leader to stand up there. Um, you know, uh, I think he touched on the G20 also. Well, we discussed a little bit about that on the last show. Um, something that he's that our glorious leader said that I thought was very telling. He said, you know, America is just one of 20. You know, we, we can't do without everyone else. Um, he acts like there's nothing special about us. We're just one of many countries. Well, no, there is something special about America. And if he doesn't see it, another reason he's not worthy of being our president. There is no country 
that has served the role that this nation has, that has sacrificed so much, that has stood up for so much. There has been no country that has done this except for the United States of America. That really is the bottom line. And anyone who says otherwise, it doesn't get. They just don't get. And, uh, look, I. No one in their right mind wants to go out there and just um, say, you know, we're going to have to go and start trouble with everyone. We're going to go stir up the pot and whatnot all over the world. But with that said, you can't just sit by and do nothing. Sometimes the circumstances demand, they mandate that we do something. We can't just sit by and do nothing. That's the worst thing we could do. In action. Is by far the worst action. Appeasement. That's. These are all things that are un-American. And Americans aren't a warlike people. But we're not a people who, or at least we've never been a people, who just stand around and let evil gather and let it do its will. No. We've always been a country to stand up there and be the leader against it. We've always led the crusade against evil. The struggle against it. And uh, I mean, look, there's a lot of people who go out there and they basically say that if it wasn't for our, you know, interference, if it wasn't for our involvement in other countries' affairs or in other regions of the world or things that just have nothing to do with us, we should mind our own business, that this wouldn't happen to us. You know? heard this a lot of times. It's a blame America first attitude. That America is somehow the problem. That we are somehow the cause. That's just a downright lie. And anyone who says that just doesn't know what they're saying. They don't know what they're talking about. Either that or they just hit the country. One or the other. One or the other. So either President Barack Hussein Obama one, hates America. Two, doesn't understand America. Maybe it's both. Maybe it's both. And if that were the case, that would probably be even worse. Probably be even worse. <sighs> Look. We've seen <clears throat> a downward spike. Um, in this country. 
and we've got to reverse it. Reverse it. And I, I'll let me. I'll touch on this more in detail. Why don't we? <clears throat> excuse me. Why don't we take a little bit of a break? Uh, we'll come back. We'll touch on this in more detail. And if you want to call up and uh, lend your opinion, whatever it may be, love to hear it. Three four seven three zero eight. 8073 is the number as always. Okay, uh, we're going to take a liberal wisdom timeout for those of you who haven't tuned in before. Uh, this is where we go to a little break. And I haven't listened to me with my conservative nonsense for two hours. Uh, and, you know, maybe you want to come to the other side. Want to move more enlightenment. So that's why we take liberalism time out, and we let the uh, the liberals uh, go off, say what they say what they want, and um, <laughs> well, it should be good. So you want to listen to that? All right, I guess we can. Okay, let's well, we can squeeze in one more call here, and then we'll go to the that was the we'll go to the break. Okay, so why don't we? Take a call. Uh, hello, uh, 732 number. You're on the AJ Bruno Show. Hello, this is Chad. This is who? This is Chad. This is Chad? Yes, I would like to talk to you about the gay marriage. Uh, okay, you want to talk about the gay marriage? Yes, I'm from San Francisco. <laughs> and I'm happily married to my partner, Ricardo. Your partner who? My happily married husband, Ricardo. Oh, uh, Ricardo? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, what about Ricardo? Oh, he's such a hunk. <laughs> and um, some people say that we're not allowed to be married, but I would not like that. Uh, okay, is there is there a comment you'd like to say on the program? Um, I'd like to say that homosexuals are better. <laughs> All right. uh, thank you, thank you for that. Uh, especially twelve-year-old homosexuals, uh, apparently. Okay. Anyway, uh, why don't we go and take that liberal wisdom timeout? Um. <laughs> All right, since we're we're talking about the whole gay marriage issue, uh, let me run the the Barney Frank one. If you haven't heard that one before, okay, uh, Mr. Frank, uh, why don't you take it away? We'll be back in three minutes, so keep on listening. If you want to call after the break, three four seven three zero eight eight zero seven three. Never. We'll be back right after this. Oh, hello, it's me, Bonnie Frank. I don't know why you're listening to this show with this crazy white-wing nutjob. This guy is crazy, he ain't that gay. He's all these things. Why are you people listening to him? It's horrible. You should be listening to me. Now go out there and help fight for free equal rights for free marriage, okay? Instead of listening to this idiot who's prejudiced, who's a bigot, who's against equal rights, and now shame on you people for seeing them. Shame on you. And you, I don't know, you stupid conservatives. And if any of you 
are, are not conservatives and you're wishing to this guy, then same on you too. Same on you. Now, now what we should be out there trying to get our great president Barack Obama to go there and support support gay marriage. It's one of the most important issues. One of the most important issues to support. And anyone, anyone who's not against it should be ashamed of themselves. Now, hopefully one day, all states can be as, as, uh, as enlightened as the great state of Massachusetts and support this, this matter of equal rights. Now, I urge you to, to not listen to this idiot who is against that, who is against equality for all, you know, because there's nothing wrong with it, there's nothing wrong with sodomy. Uh, so be ashamed of yourself if you, if you think there's something wrong with it, it's not disgusting or anything. I would know from first-hand experience, or uh, what I could not go into on there right now. Uh, but, uh, okay, uh, well, thank you very much for, for listening to me about this, and I, I hope I've certainly, uh, changed your mind regarding this, uh, uh, thank you very much, uh, uh, this is, uh, Congressman, uh, Bonnie Frank, not, not Congressman Bonnie Fogg, as, uh, as, uh, Dick Army once called me, uh, that's, that's not very funny, I heard that one a lot in school, and it was very hurtful, very offensive. So shame on you if you ever say that. Anyway, uh, well, thank you very much uh, for supporting uh, for equal rights, uh, so for supporting gay marriage. Uh, hopefully we can uh, uh, get uh, President Obama uh, to get rid of that stupid don't ask, don't tell also. Uh, so we could all serve openly in the military. And then it will be uh, truly a uh, brotherly, brotherly experience. <laughs> anyway, uh, I've uh, gone on and on, and I'm sure you all agree with me by now. Uh, so I guess we'll get back to this uh, show, although I don't know why you're listening to this crazy, crazy radical conservative. You should be ashamed of yourselves. But uh, okay, it's me, uh, Body Frank, and uh, I've got uh, some things to do that I can't really discuss on here. Okay, I'm, I'm going now. All right, all right. Bye bye. Thank you for that, uh, Mr. Frank. Okay. Um, let's get back to this whole issue of uh, America seemingly going downhill. Now look, I'm I'm an idealist. I am an optimist. But Maybe these sorts of ideals are obviously in conflict to the uh, radical left. Whatever. So be it. So be it. Um, the left somehow genuinely thinks that everything they do is somehow right for the country. Somehow a uh, good idea. And uh, I'm, I'm not. We started the show talking about the gay marriage issue. Just a very important example of that. Um, you know, I saw someone saying in the show chat just a second ago that. There's an issue with fairness. 
well, maybe the terrorists think there's an issue of fairness too. Yeah. They can't uh, freely jihad themselves, uh, murder themselves in, in, in jihad, sorry. Um, you know, maybe they think that's not fair. This is part of their religion, though. We should respect that. It's fine. Or it's part of their religion to do what they're doing now. Uh, parts of Afghanistan now, or in the, some of the mountainous regions in uh, Pakistan. Taliban has control now. They're instituting their uh, brutal policies. Yeah, that's their way they want to go. That's fine. No, it's not, it's not fine. It's not fine. And people always try and justify things that are wrong. Always. But if you try and tell them why, Then, um, well, <laughs> doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you have evidence to back up. Doesn't matter uh, the facts are on your side. None of this matters to the left. None of this ever matters to us. They don't care about the facts. They don't care about the fundamental truths. All they care about is pursuing their agenda. It's a changing America. And they would, they've been doing that. Um, you know, another thing, I Someone said that by stopping gays from marrying, we lose our future and our freedom. You know, how, how does that even apply? Um, it doesn't. In fact, it would be the opposite. For instance, um, yeah, I think it's I think it's ironic now that we have the opposite situation we should have in this country. There is virtually no government control over healthy normative behavior like there used to be. I mean, I think people are often often. But now there is complete and utter government control. <clears throat> or we're getting that way towards people's uh economic affairs, um, but on the social issues, well that's fine. Even though um, allowing these sorts of perversions have led to so many problems in this in society, so many problems. I mean, think about it. it just, it's as if we have diseased our country. We have unleashed a virus plague upon it. Only we have a cure to it. But yet we don't. We don't seem to be able to find that cure. And a lot of us are unwilling to do it. Because maybe being sick is, is fine with some people. Maybe America being sick is fine with some people. Okay, why don't we go to the phones? Um, we have a 949 number. Uh, see, we get this caller on the air. Hello, you're on the AJ Bruno show? 
Hello, AJ. Shane from Political Vindication Radio. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good, man. I am a conservative as well, but I am concerned about the gay marriage debate because I think that as the trend is going, it's an untenable argument that we make, even though we can try and be as eloquent as we like on there, and I certainly agree with everything that you've said about that, and I've worked to that end here in Southern California where we've been battling the gay marriage movement. But, um, you know, I read a book recently that, that posed a particular challenge for Republicans and conservatives. George Friedman, he wrote a book. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a bestseller right now. It's called The Next 100 Years. And he talks about what he thinks is going to happen in the next 100 years globally. But in America and the political movement, he talks about the political landscape in the year 2030 as being one where gay marriage and alternative lifestyles and relationships and family definitions are going to be wide open. Social conservatism and the idea that that conservatives can argue for a traditional lifestyle is going to be so out of style that it's not going to exist anymore. And in fact, we're going to be so in debt because the government has spent so much money trying to borrow our way out of debt the taxes are going to be very high. People are going to be retiring. The baby boomer is going to be retiring. It's going to be a very different world is what I'm trying to say. It's going to be a high-tax world, and it's going to be a more permissive social atmosphere. And so what I wanted to ask you is, what do you think the conservative is going to look like in 20 years as opposed that it is today? Because I think that conservative in 2030 is going to look back on us and see, and see we're going to be like Neanderthals of those guys in there. What do you yeah, think about well, that? I sure, hope, <laughs> I, I sure hope that that isn't the case. Before I answer your question, just out of curiosity, what does he say? Now, I've heard the argument made, don't necessarily, you know, uh, I hope it's not true, but I've heard it made that the country's moving in one direction on the life issue, but another direction on the whole marriage issue. Did he say the same thing, or has he said it's all moving in the left? You know what? He didn't talk about a lot about the life issue, but that's, a, that's an excellent point. Uh, considering uh, a pair that with m- medical technology and the ability to save life at a very early age, abortion you would think would would itself uh, be unneeded because if you can take a child out of a woman who doesn't want it in four weeks, in her first four weeks, raise in a test tube and adopt it out to somebody, then I think that's the argument that conservatives may be arguing in 20 years. That's, that may be what our our focus would be on the social sphere is respecting life, life, dignity of life. Yeah, well, I mean, I hope, I hope that won't ever be an issue then. But, uh, well, okay, let me, let me answer that. Well, I hope, I really hope he's not right, because if that were the case, and I, I've heard it said before, too, uh, and I hope this person's not right, that what a conservative is now is, uh, you know, 20, 30 years from now will be what a liberal or Democrat is now. And I really hope that's not the case. I think that's going in the wrong direction. That's moving towards... Uh, what a lot of other Western nations have gone towards, you know, towards, uh, uh, you know, allowing these socially permissive alternative lifestyles and other sorts of behaviors and whatnot, but, you know, exerting more government control. Um, You know, if we're moving towards that whole, you know, this more European route, uh, I I think that's definitely the wrong direction. And if that's the case, then, you know, God help us all and God help this country because, you know, that's not the America that I think the founders built. That's not the America that millions of people have fought and died for. Uh, 
you know, I, I really hope we could reverse these trends. And I see the trends too, but, you know, if enough people realize and wake up and say, hey, we got to do something about this, then it doesn't have to be that way. You know, we control our country's destiny. And if we take a grasp on that and we do something to change it, then it can be changed. But, you know, people didn't seem to do that last year. In fact, we went in the wrong direction. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, let's say let's say we elect a uh, you know solid Reagan-esque conservative in 2012. We go in the other direction and we shift that way. You know, do you think we can change that landscape or not? It could very well happen. You know, Reagan, the epitome of Reagan is the teacher, a man yeah. eloquent who understands, internalizes conservatism, and is able to teach it and explain it and spread that message in a way that is relevant to people who are living. Uh, then when he was there and in the future. In the future, it's going to be very different. One of the things Mr. Friedman writes about as well is that he says right now in the world, in Western countries, depopulation is happening. Populations are getting older. People aren't having as many children. They're not replacing themselves. Immigration is going to be very important. And in fact, he says, countries are going to be competing for immigrants, offering incentives to get immigrants. Here in America, you're going to see the same thing. And uh, with all of the uh, baby boomers retiring, cashing out their, their 401s and selling their homes to use their money for retirement, there's going to be inflation. There's going to be more of a service economy, and, and we're going to need Mexicans. We're going to need immigrants from other countries to come in and, and fill those roles. That's going to have an effect, too, on our political system and the Constitution. What we have. Remember, we've got a guy in office right now who um, uh, thinks that the Constitution is such a limited doc, limiting document, uh, negative liberties, uh, infringes, proves as an obstacle to his kind of progressive movement that he has, he may very well move to change or render obsolete a lot of the limitations that the Constitution has. What our interpretation of the Constitution is going to be in 20 years, A.J., who can know? Who can know? in that sense, but it's going to be a different population, it's going to be a different economic world, uh, you know, I think, I'm wary, I'm wary, I'm worried about the future for that reason, I think that's why it's incumbent upon us to get out there and teach why individual liberty matters, why it's important, why we ought to give a damn about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree, I, I've heard these I've heard uh, similar things. Um, you know, apparently the, the birth rate in the U.S. was going up a little bit. Um, but, yeah, we have all these waves of immigrants here, and it's it's different now. I mean, you look at only Muslim immigrants going in, into Europe, and they're, you know, outbreeding, and a lot of people are concerned about that. And it's the same thing with a lot of these uh, uh, you know, Hispanics that come here. But, I mean, the difference is now, I mean, maybe in, in past generations, immigrants come and they integrate and they benefit the society and, uh you know, you'd probably say, especially in this country, I think we were better off from all these different groups coming over, certainly. But now people don't want to integrate. Uh, it's just such a disrespect for the native country that they're coming yeah. into. And I, I think that's definitely not a good thing. And, and, you know, what the Democrats are trying to do now, they would just love to make these 12 million illegals here citizens because they'll vote almost unanimously Democrat. And then they can pass, you know, they have a free reign. They have a ticket to dominance for the next half a century. And that's something we definitely um, can't allow. You know, if we get someone like, like Reagan who can uh, dictate our principles, who gets it across to people, um, you know, maybe we can, we can 
turn things around. But uh, yeah, well, he, you know, multiculturalism, a political tool to put people into blocks more easily manipulated politically as voting blocks. That's how Democrats appeal to them. They appeal to people as gays, as blacks, as women, you know, as union members. And, and, and that's, their, that's how they appeal to those voters, whereas conservatism usually appeals by ideology. Hmm. It says, we believe this. It goes beyond race and beyond color. Now, interestingly, because we try to think uh, over race and over these kind of delineations, we're considered racist or homophobic because we're not taking into consideration and um, what's the word uh, to that, kind of appeasing those groups. It, uh, the, the left is able to turn that back around on us. So does that change in the future when you're going to have a larger immigrant base here in America trying to fill some of the jobs that we need them here? Sure, that's going to be an issue because I think Republicans have largely lost that. We've been framed as racist, bigot, homophobe. But then again, who can know what the future holds? You know, just about five years ago, Republicans thought we had it made. I mean, we had a deep bench. Things were rolling along. Uh, we thought we were doing well. We were looking at uh, 10 years, 20 years. I remember reading in Time magazine about a 20-year you know, control by conservative Republicans, how very quickly things turn. And they could turn again if the economy, and if you believe, as I do, that Barack Obama, what he has done, or what he thinks is going to help the economy is going to saddle generations with terrible debt, uh, regulation, uh, the total destruction, and, of course, the demeaning of America, as he just did recently, going to Europe, talking crap about America, again, to Europeans to get, a, to get applause. He's an odd creature, and the damage that he can do in four years may very well turn everything around, AJ. Yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I mean, in four years... It could take generations to to try and undo everything he's going to do, and a lot of people don't don't realize that. Let me tell you something that really got me in this this last election. I'll tell you this whole immigrant thing, um, and this makes me more staunch on being anti-illegal immigration. You know, uh, not wanting so much of it, even uh, even legally to an extent, a lot more limits on that. You know, uh, we nominated a candidate, a Republican candidate, who is really quite pro-amnesty, yet. We go from getting, I think it was 44% of the Hispanic vote to something like less than a third. I mean, yeah. to me, that's insulting. You know, we nominate someone, we, we, the party reaches out, yet they slap it away. I, I don't understand that. Did you hear about John McCain's recent blowout meeting that he had? Did you, hear, did you read about that? Uh, no. He, he, he had a meeting a few days ago with a couple other Republicans with Latino groups. Latino groups um, have have been pushing to have the Dream Act uh, realized and and to kind of throw open the doors for immigration and legalization and amnesty and stuff like that. And they're not getting the kind of attention that they thought that they would get uh, with Nancy Pelosi and Harry Reid and, and Barack Obama in, in particular. And so they were having a meeting with a few Republicans that are usually friendly. To their point of view, and of course John McCain is. John McCain pushed hard for that immigration bill last year, and even during the campaign did so because he was told by these activists that if you do that, we'll support you, we'll get Hispanics out. And like you just said, the Hispanics didn't come out for John McCain regardless of his position on that. 
he went into this meeting and they were talking to him and they said he was very rude. He was looking around, rolling his eyes as they were talking to him. And then he finally stood up and screamed at them, his face red, his neck swollen, veins popping, saying, you got what you wanted. You got what you voted for. And he walked out of the room because he felt he had been betrayed by the Latino community. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> they didn't come out to vote for him for all the crap that he took from Republicans trying to stand up and say what we need to do is have this amnesty program in order to appeal. And Republicans have to appeal to Hispanics. They're going to be a huge block in America over the next 20, 30 years. Huge. The whole Southwest is going to be Mexicanized yeah. in that sense. Uh, I live in Southern California, man. I mean, I work construction, too, out here. Let me tell you, I'm surrounded by Mexicans, and they're, and they're good people, and they work hard. They're conservative, religious people. Mm-hmm. Republicans yeah, I, ought to be able to appeal to them, don't you think? I, I mean, I, I agree. A lot, a lot that's the case, and maybe those are the ones who seem to be loyal Republicans. But, you know, it's surprising. I, I saw a uh, study come out a few weeks ago saying that 50% of Hispanics, uh, Hispanic births are out of wedlock. So, I mean, it doesn't seem like maybe a lot of them – you know, aren't, apparently. I mean, well, I they're coming from a very different culture, too, as well. AJ, you know, they're, I mean, you know, half of them don't have birth certificates. No. Okay? I mean, no. going to City Hall to get you, get you a marriage certificate, a lot of them are, are born and raised in villages with dirt streets, man. Mm-hmm. They're growing what they're eating that night. And so it's an agricultural culture, right? So they have big families that were supposed to help on the farm, just like Americans used to be as well, before we became all city dwellers. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I understand where you're coming from. Illegitimacy rate is, is a real problem in America, all the way across. I think it's 40% now, taking into account everybody, you know. Yeah. 70% in the African-American community and 50%, you said, in Hispanic community. That's a big deal. Uh, maybe we can make that argument about the family, how important the family is, and how important the, the institution of marriage is. That's good. I think, but I think that that earlier, I think I was kind of conversing with you in the chat room. That that argument for fairness, for simple fairness, is is such a powerful argument for gay marriage, because the younger generation that's coming up, they all support gay marriage, man. Yeah. All the polls say that. Uh, you know, I, I hear that a lot. So I, I just I just don't get it, especially when people say they come from some sort of a uh, you know religious style. Yeah. Uh, viewpoint too. I mean, I, I I just don't I just don't see it, uh, especially amongst a lot of. I mean, to the extent people who say they're Christians and seems like a lot more more liberal Jews too. I mean, if you look at any, either of these scriptures, uh, there's nothing that says that this is permissible. In fact, it's the contrary. And I just, you know, I I don't understand the the mindset of these people. It just doesn't add up to that. Well, maybe number one, the the wish to want to be liked is very yeah. powerful. Nobody yeah. likes to be called a homophobe. Yeah, okay. well, I mean, it sounds I mean, a lot we've, like a... I mean, we've had debates on our show. Uh, we had one last year uh, on Proposition 8. We had a guy come on. One of them was a gay activist, and he had his friend with him who was a, a, a professor of some sort, and they came on. And it was horrendous debate, man. I mean, it was... I mean, you know, we thought we would have a discussion about that, kind of how you and I are talking about the different aspects of it and why, why we want the state to, to prioritize heterosexual marriage. We want it to have a, 
Uh, we want it to lean in one direction. We want it to favor heterosexual marriage. We don't care what gays do and civil unions, fine with me, but we want the state to favor heterosexual unions because of the children. Children don't do that. Man, it never even got to that. Screaming, how dare you? Are you going to apologize for me to me about, you know, trying to control my life or get in my bedroom or, you know, it's about love and why do you hate or why are you a hater? It was incredible, man. No one wants to go through that, AJ. Nobody, especially young people. Yeah. So I think it's a tough argument for Republicans to make, and so I kind of agree with Symbiot in the in the chat room. And one of those things is, I mean, I mean we've got to continue to fight. But <clears throat> and I'm certainly not a David Frum type who says drop social conservatism, but don't talk about it. Certainly, we've got to talk about that. But on this issue, man, we got to be clear and come up with better arguments because right now we're we're losing that. And I think the the devastation from that in the future is going to be deep, yeah. terrible. I, I think the arguments are pretty clear, though. I mean. I don't see it, you know, why do you think it doesn't resonate when people say, you know, well, it's, one, not natural, and, two, unhealthy? I mean, if we didn't have these sorts of behaviors going on, the STD transmission rate would be a fraction of what it is now. I mean, I think sure. it's a clear issue. Well, okay. The Pope. The Pope recently came out and said, condoms in Africa, bad idea. Hmm. Now, he just took a ration crap for that. Everybody's screaming. I was reading just a little while ago where... <clears throat> some 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 country in Europe is filing a formal protest about it or something. You're just not allowed to say that. Now, of course, nobody gets to his thinking. His thinking is don't don't have premarital sex, get married, yeah. and abstinence. That's the most sure way of protecting yourself from AIDS. But you know, you never get to that point, though, AJ, because yeah. when you say stop doing condoms, people say you are nuts, you are crazy. Because, see, people want what they want, and especially in the West here. In the West here, we can have consequence-free sex, guilt-free sex, with anybody, for any reason, any time. Okay? We're, be- we're becoming a less religious country. We are becoming more of a narcissistic country. And the whole point is to have a good time. If it feels good, do it. And we have, through medical technology, or, or you know, we're going to have the morning pill, and these come out, they're going to make it more and more easy to satisfy our urges, and there's not going to be a consequence to it. Uh, you know, 100 years ago, you made a mistake. The woman was pregnant nine months, and, and you had a shotgun marriage. Mm. And the kid was a bastard. Yeah. And see, it's very different. So when you say, you know, our arguments are good, I think our arguments are excellent. But who's going to sit around for five minutes while we explain it? Yeah. When the other side, all the other sides have to say is, why are you getting in my bedroom? Why do you care who I love? Well, no, sir, it's, it's not about love. It's about yeah. the institution of marriage. No, no, no. It's about who you're trying to outlaw love. How do you, how do, you do that? You know, how do you make that argument? You know, yeah. I think that we have to continue to do that. I, I agree with you, but as, as good as it is, Dennis Prager in the morning, a guy I listen to on the radio a lot out here, he's an ethicist. He's very intelligent, very eloquent, makes great arguments, but he spends a whole lot of his time trying to convince people, listen, I don't hate you because you're gay. I really don't. I don't hate you. I just disagree with you on this point. But he still gets call after call. Yeah. People saying you're a hater. Yeah. So and I, I look, you know, I'm sorry, finish it up. What? Excuse me? Oh, did I cut you off? Oh, no. Oh, okay. You know, yeah, I, you know, I love the whole uh, hypocrisy of it, too, because 
they can say whatever vicious words they want. The, the left doesn't blink an eye when, uh, uh, when Barney Frank calls uh, Justice Scalia a homophobe. That's fine. Yeah. It's something equivalent from the other side. You don't get on that person's case so quickly. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's as if you can't disagree with what they're saying. And it, it's, also, it's almost a you know, group-think mentality. You know, buy into this whole leftist ideal, or if you don't, we're going to hate you and, and persecute you and go after you. And it seems like a lot of people are intimidated by it. But if people are intimidated by it and shut up because of that, then the left is going to get their way. I mean, I think there's a lot of people who agree with what we're saying. Maybe even a majority are close to it. But if we don't stand up for it, uh, if we just let them have their way with it, then it's a foregone conclusion that we're going to lose. No, you're right. You're right. If you show confidence in your argument and you're willing to stand out on the street, you are going to change minds just by being there, just by standing up for that. Look at the tea parties right now. Man, you're seeing people out there. Out here, you know, I've, I've been to a few of them out here. You're seeing people that would never get involved in politics, you know, but they finally have come to a point, and they're Democrats, and they're Republicans, and they're Libertarians, and they're Ron Paul guys. There are a bunch of different people out there. It's not a Republican movement. It's, it's a whole bunch of people who are outraged and fed up, and they're getting off their couches, and they're coming out into the street. And you can, you can see the ones where this isn't something they've ever done because they're shy. And they're kind of standing on their own, and they're kind of looking around, and you can see it in their eyes. They're thinking to themselves, oh, am I a kook? Is this a kooky thing? You know, who, who are these people? I've never been uh, an extrovert, a political extrovert. Am I comfortable with this? I'm not comfortable with this. But you go up and you talk to them, and they won't stop talking. Yeah. It's exciting that people are getting up and doing something. That's why I think, AJ, you're starting to see a bunch of stories now in the media about guns. And you're starting to hear a lot of Democrats talking about how all this revolution talk from Republicans, all this re- revolution, it's violence. Revolution means violence. Are they going to get violent? But they're trying to malign. They're trying to, um, uh, they're, they're trying to uh, kind of push us off into a corner and point mm-hmm. the finger at us. They need to stem the tide of this popular revolt that's coming up. They've been able to do that before with affirmative action. And these kind of things by doing what you just said. You're a racist. You're a homophobe. You're a bigot. You're a sexist. You're this. You're that. You're small-minded. And that usually works for a long time. But people right now have come to a point where they're very frustrated and they're starting to stand up. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next, in the next couple months if these things yeah. continue to grow and what the Democrats do about them. Yeah, yeah it's, it certainly is. Um, now, do you know a lot about this whole Tea Party business? Oh, yeah. Now, I've seen a video with, I guess, the the founder of it. Now, I agree with most of what he said. I don't know if you've seen this with, uh, he's dressed up as, you know, one of the, you know, an 18th century clothing. Oh, yes. Yes, I have. Uh, and there's a couple things that I uh, disagree with. I remember one offhand. Now, you know, I, I mean, I was with him most of the time. Then he said something like, uh, you know, we need to abolish your electoral college. And, yeah. Uh, you know what? You're uh, funny. That's, that's a, me and my buddy who do our show said the same exact thing that you just said right there. How interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah <laughs> that's I – mean, I guess a lot of people are, are think, thought of the same thing, too. Now, you know, I mean, one, that's a liberal argument. Two, so you want to – you know, he wants to get rid of something that was in the Constitution. Well, that's what the left always wants to do. Mm. I mean, that, to me, that's just getting off of the, the message, which, you know, 95% of the message is good, but uh, that just doesn't belong. Yeah, I know, and that's, an, that's a debate that's been happening for a long time, and people sometimes have 
selfish reasons for that. I know the left brought that up a lot during the during the Al Gore election, and he had won a popular vote and had lost the election electoral vote. But I've always been in support of it. I want our politicians to go to every state. I don't want to have the coastal states and the large population centers decide for America what it's going to be. Uh, those population centers are decidedly liberal. They have much different priorities than middle America does or the South does. This is a huge country, huge. We have 330 million people in this country. And we dwarf European countries. You can't, I mean, in fact, you travel across this country, it's like traveling into different countries. I mean, you go to Louisiana, Ohio, you go to New York, you go to Wyoming, you go to beautiful Montana, go down to Texas, out here in California, you go over to Florida. There are different worlds you live in over there. Mm-hmm. How could you think that, that it would, in any way, it would make any sense to just have, uh, you know, a, a, straight demo, a, a straight democracy in a way? Electoral vote, I don't understand that. I think that's kooky. But that guy is very interesting who makes those speeches. He's done a few of them. He's done two or three of them. He's very good at what he does. And, um, and his point at the beginning of that speech where he talks about the outrage of people not – when he talks about Eric Holder's statement about being cowards, a nation of cowards, how can a nation sit by where its Congress passes a stimulus bill that it hasn't read that has such import, has such a, can have such consequences, and not have a nation rise up in total outrage over it. He's absolutely right there. Yeah, you know? I mean, he's, he's he's completely right on that. But uh, yeah, even if there's, yeah, I don't, I don't know what kind of effect all these all these uh, tea parties will have because hey, they'll probably sitting there laughing. Uh, not thinking, hey, we already won. We can do whatever we want. You can't say anything about it. Um, yeah, I think that was Obama's point, too. Uh, I just won this election. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going to do that all the time, yeah. Yeah, you're going to do that. But I'll tell you, these tea parties are very interesting, AJ. You ought to try and look around where you live for them because the, I know this April 15th upcoming, they're going to have a bunch of them out there, too. And, and you know, I've been involved in Republican politics out here for a long time in California. Uh, which makes me uh, one of the Looney Tunes out here because this state is so far to the left. But uh, these tea parties are bringing out people, like I said, that aren't everyday political people. You know, you and I, people listening in the chat room, people that have shows on BTR or blogs, we are like political nerds. We read the paper. We follow the news. We debate with our friends and family. We think about issues because we're fascinated by human beings and how they live together and the decisions that they make and how they form the world that they live in. We find those things to be fascinating. But, but so, so that's kind of our hobby. 90%, I'll say 90%, 85% of America, man, they don't give a crap. They don't know who the vice president is. They don't know who their senators are. I mean, they really don't. It makes us kind of a rare breed here, and it's up to us really to get out and get involved. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, it's scary, too, because when you think about it, most of the people who went there and go out there and, and vote and whatnot really aren't educated enough on these sorts of issues to go and do it um, and can be so easily persuaded by just plain BS. Uh, Change I mean, in hope? Yeah, change it all. 
change and hope? I mean, that's incredible. One of my great interests is Roman history. Okay, I was reading uh, the other day a thing. Cicero, on the floor, the Senate, they're talking about change and hope. I was shaking my head. I mean, we're talking 3,000 years ago. They're using the same thing, and it's still working. AJ, still, people still believe it. It's incredible. But then again, maybe it was never about that. I think this last election had a lot to do with hating Bush. Exactly. I mean, Mm. uh, that's why even the the policies that most of the Democrats will have to admit work now, uh, you know, still have to get rid of those, even if it means leaving the country vulnerable. Because, I mean, you know, I I don't know if he just – obviously he does it for political expediency. But uh, I think he generally generally hates everything that the Bush administration did, whether it was good or and worked. Uh, yeah, well, he generally I mean, likes to take his time. I mean, he's in Europe talking trash about Bush. The first two months of his thing, you and I heard him blaming everything on Bush. I remember, I didn't, I didn't create this crisis. He kept telling me, at, at his first two press conferences, he brought up Bush's name like six times. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I mean, it, it, but on the other hand, though, AJ, he, he is continuing on with a lot of the programs that Bush had and used now that he's in office. And he sees the details, and he sees the problems, and he's like, oh, okay, now I understand why George Bush was doing this with Iraq, why he was doing this with Pakistan, why he was doing this with Afghanistan. Now I get it. Hmm. You know? Uh, oh. Certain things, I guess he he would have to, but uh, yeah, it seems like he he doesn't seem to think the campaign's over too. You see the town halls everywhere. I love especially this town hall he did in France. Like you don't do you realize the uh, French voters do not vote for you. Uh, <laughs> I found that a little bit uh, amusing and ridiculous. Isn't that that you're so right too? He is still in campaign mode, and when he finds Washington too tight, remember. Barack Obama has never had to compromise with anybody. He became a senator in Chicago, which is Democrat-run. All right? It's been for years. It will continue to be for the next thousand. It's all Democrats all the time there. They, were, um, they had a power majority there. He's never had to debate or compromise on a bill with a Republican. He comes to Washington, D.C. Democrats run the House. Democrats practically have the Senate. They've got big numbers in the Senate, too, as well. Um, he doesn't have to compromise. And so he's never done that before. During the, during the election, we kept asking him, hey, well, you say you're, you know, that you're a middle-of-the-road guy and that you're here for bipartisanship and you want in the poison, but you've never done that. Why would you do that now? Well, you're seeing him now, A.J., in Washington, and things are getting tough, and the Republicans are trying to do all that they can to stop him and the media and, and all the pressure that, that comes down there. And he, and he keeps leaving D.C., and he keeps going on trips. And he keeps flying out and doing these, these campaign-style town hall things because that's what he's comfortable with. And he's great until the teleprompter freezes. I was just thinking that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what he – it's one attribute. Yeah, he's a, a great speaker when it's prepared for him and right on the teleprompter. Besides that, you know, there's no meaning to what he's saying. It's complete political BS. And, you know, I can't think of a single other, you know, positive, positive quality – to him. I mean, that's about it. He can read from a teleprompter, and this is enough for some people, apparently. 
He's very charismatic. He's got a great, sultry voice. He's like the Marvin Gaye of politicians, um, seductive. And, uh, you know, he was known during the election as an empty vessel where you could put your hopes and dreams and, uh, into him, and he kind of reflected that. He was a tabla rasa kind of a character. And he gets into office, and one has to ask, especially with all the flubs you see going on, with the Queen and with the Russians and you know, all the things that he's done that where he's kind of busted protocol and, and embarrassed himself and his administration and Americans in general, that he has really got people in the background that are really running him. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, you kind of have to believe. You know, they used to say that about George Bush. They used to say Dick Cheney was the real power behind George Bush. <laughs> but George Bush had run Texas. He was a governor. He had to work with Democrats over there. In fact, he had a lot of Democrats who supported George Bush when he ran for president. You can't say the same thing about Barack Obama. You know, so is Rahm Emanuel, is that who's actually running the government? It's certainly not Joe Biden. Yeah, well, um... Who's running the government? Nancy Pelosi? Harry Reid? That is an excellent question. Well, I I don't think it's him because he doesn't have the experience or the knowledge to run it. Absolutely. Um, I mean, where is he going to get that experience? He's never run a business. He just took over GM. And you know what's interesting about that, AJ? He takes over GM, fires its uh, president. Now he's going to stack the GM board with people on there, people that he picks. The government is picking the people he's putting on the General Motors board to run that that company. What kind of people do you think he's going to put on the board of GM? (laughs) <laughs> oh, I'm sure it'll be the most uh, business-friendly conservative people who put on there. <laughs> exactly. It's going to be environmentalist wackos. They're going to turn that, that, that company into a government-run electric green car company yeah. that is going to be forced to put out a bunch of vehicles that people aren't going to buy, yeah. that people don't want to yeah. buy. They're trying to force them to, to join up with Fiat. And nobody buys Fiat either. Yeah. Because those cars are horrible, too. And so, I mean, this is really, I mean, Ayn Rand, did you ever read Ayn Rand? Uh, Atlas, Atlas Shrugged. I have read one of them. I'm not a big fan of hers. Well, she, as an objectivist, I'm not a real big fan of hers as well, too. But the Atlas Shrugged, the book, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a massive tome, a thousand pages. But there's one point in it that is very... It's prescient for our times. The government takes over private businesses and it tries to run them. And it's more in a fascist way, whereas in a socialist way, the government would just take the, take the company over, right? Owning the means of production. In a fascist sense, they don't take the country over. Mussolini didn't take companies over. What he did was he regulated them to such an extent that they could only make decisions within those boundaries, and so they certainly weren't free. But he didn't own them. He just taxed them 90% and then regulated them to, to, uh, so they couldn't move at all. You kind of yeah. see that same thing here, AJ, interestingly enough. I mean, that's what GM motor takeover is, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's uh, yeah, such a very dangerous precedent, what he's, what he's doing now. You know, that coupled with the fact that you, know, you have all these uh, government regulations on uh, the emissions and they want to, there's quite more on it. So, you know, not only is he basically taking a huge leap towards socializing, like, you know, major corporations, 
but now we're going to use this fake pseudoscience to cost people more money so they can offset these emissions, which are supposedly harming the environment. I mean, it's just preposterous. Yeah, well, there's the brave new world right there. Uh, <laughs> I bet he'd like uh, that book to become a reality, so. He's, it's, I mean, I really think in four years he's done, Barack Obama. I yeah. think that he's, he is bound to make terrible, terrible mistakes. And it may not be because he's a stupid person, because he's certainly not. But it's, just, it's going to be because he's out of control of his government, number one. And number two, I think he's very idealistic. This guy is an ideologue, man. And he is coming in, and reality is smacking him upside the head. And he's going to realize you can't make the world perfect. You can't regulate human beings into perfection. You can't have an economy that never goes into a recession. You can't re- that's a controlled economy myth that people think. It's what the Russians thought. You know, the USSR collapses, AJ, because in competition, the people in that country didn't have any good reason to work any harder, to be innovative, to be more productive. Everybody got paid the same. And you got paid to make the widget just like the guy next to you. And there's no reason to make a better way of making widgets because no one was going to reward you for that. And it might even cost jobs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so they're all hand-making their shoes over there. When everybody else has been machine factory-making shoes for 100 years <laughs> in that thing. And so who knows what Obama is going to come up with, but it's an interesting future. And, and for those of us amateur historians who are reading this and following this kind of stuff, it's great to talk about on shows, uh, but uh, I do fear for my country. That's yeah, for sure. That's if, there's a, if there's an America left in four years, you know, I mean, who's to say, especially his, his defense policies, I think this country is just ripe for a major terrorist attack, and it's scary, you know. And if that, ha- if that happens, you're not going to point the finger at Bush, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, that's the first thing they're going to do. It's <laughs> he, irresponsible policy. Not only is it going to cripple us financially and, and put us in you know, whatever other ruin, but I, it's going to lead, lead to the loss of American lives, which shouldn't have to be lost. Uh, and this whole concept just flies right over people's heads. No, you, you make a great point. I think, again, it comes down to what we were talking about earlier is making – that persuasive argument. I really think 2010, this upcoming off-year election, the Republicans are going to make big gains. Yeah. I think they're going to get big gains. They won't take back the House. That's more than 50 seats, but they're going to gain seats. They're going to gain 20, 25 seats. And in the Senate, AJ, I, I go as far as to say they're going to, have, they're going to win 8 to 10 Senate seats back. I mean, that's, that's bumping off a lot of Democrats. But I think in two years... I'm pretty sure the economy is not going to be coming back by then. I mean, even conservative estimates say it's going to take at least two years for things to turn around because it's a global recession. Remember, it's not just America. It's the world here. And, um, and certainly, uh, you know, America might be the first into it and the first out of it, but it's going to take uh, – I, I mean, they are predicting, I think, 12% unemployment over the next, over the next year. Um, that's that's going to be huge, and you're going to see the media step in, try to save <clears throat> save the Messiah. They're going to come out and say, "Oh, the numbers are looking good. Look at you know went up a, a tick." 
You know, they're going to try and do all that they can to do that. And they're going to accuse Republicans of talking down the economy. Of course. You know, that's, that's, that's what they always do. And, you know, I love how they try and say that this is the worst recession since the Great Depression. Well, yeah. no, it's the worst recession since the Carter years. There's a <laughs> difference. I mean, you don't have blinds and, uh, you know, 10% of the people on them. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know. It's I mean, pathetic. It's, yeah. The same as Clinton's thing. Remember Clinton? Worst economy in 50 years. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, they talk about fear-mongering. Well, when yeah. we're talking about, uh, you know, the terrorists wanting to kill us, well, that's actually true, so it's not really fear-mongering. The fear-mongering they have is just played up and for political gain. Big difference. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's because they have good intentions, AJ. You yeah. see, they're allowed to do that. But, course, but Republicans right. are a bunch of rich white guys. <laughs> and so we're not allowed to say that because, see, we're trying to, uh, you know, we're trying to fire, fire everybody and send all the jobs to India or Mexico, do an after, something like that. And so it's, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. But you see the same point when Barack Obama fires the head of GM because he wants a head on a stick to show everybody that he's actually doing something, making things happen. You notice he didn't fire the head of the union. Gittlemeyer. Yeah, of, 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 course, of course not. They love the unions. What, and the union had nothing to do with, with, the, with the problems at GM? <laughs> Come on. Uh, yeah, I mean, exactly. But, you know, the, the, uh, he, he's going to talk to them because if, if he does anything that remotely uh, bothers the unions, well, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, it, it, he can't do that. No, you're right. I mean, they're, they're a huge constituency for the Democrats, a huge campaign donations from the unions. Yeah. So nothing like that's going to change uh, there, certainly. But, uh, but, hey, I appreciate you allowing me to stay on this long to talk to you, man. I love the political talk with you, and uh, it's good to see you on your – I have not seen your show before. Are you new? I've been on about a little bit over a month now. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, every Sunday, 5 to 7. Uh Wednesdays I'm on a different network uh, for the time being. You hear me uh, nine to eleven. Then um, but, is that you know, on? Is that on TalkShoe or something? Or I'm on uh, Patriots Heart on Wednesdays on uh, nine to eleven, and I'm on my uh, my account here on on Sundays. But yeah, thanks thanks for uh, thanks for calling. Uh, it was definitely great conversation. Uh, hope you keep listening, and you know, feel free to call back anytime. Absolutely, will do. Listen, we have a show on Tuesday nights, Political Vindication Radio. Uh, would love to have you listen and call in as well, too. You're, uh, you're a bright one. And so let's, hey. let's talk more politics. Anytime. What, what time is that? It's on, it's on every Tuesday from 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific time, Political Vindication Radio. Uh, we have a lot of fun. We have a good, rowdy crowd in there. And we talk, uh, we talk conservatism. We talk political theory. We talk history. And uh, we have a good we have a good time over there uh, because you got to laugh sometimes, AJ. Uh, yeah, I prefer to laugh right as a liberal. So <laughs> exactly, great. Hey, thank you again, my friend. No See you soon. Bye bye. All right, uh, thanks thanks for that call. Uh, if you want to comment on anything we discussed so far, I'll take another call in the show, uh, 347-308-8073. So you want to get in here. We've got about uh, 12 minutes or so left in the program. You want to talk about anything we've discussed so far? Any questions? Uh, just uh, feel free to call. Okay. Uh, let's, let's expand on this uh, 
little bit uh, in the remaining time that we have tonight. Uh, any of you liberals want to go there? Tell me why uh, why we're so wrong. I'd love to hear love to hear that too. It's always fun to hear the uh, uh, <laughs> shall we say incoherent arguments of the left. But hey, it's entertaining trying to hear what they have to say. Uh, okay. Anyway, uh, let's get to the the issue at hand now. I think to this point, I, I made a I made a list of my um, top five and at least five favorite presidents. Um, I'm not going to go into tremendous detail tonight. Uh, I'd be happy to discuss it if anyone wants to get any elaboration. And so, the top five I have: Reagan, Lincoln, uh, Washington, W, uh, and Jefferson. That's the uh, Thomas. That is, although. I was tempted, I didn't put Jefferson Davis in my list because it wasn't technically the same country. Although, now, a lot of people find this weird. I have tremendous respect for both President Lincoln and President Davis. You know, people try and look at history from a one, you know, one-sided perspective. You have to look at it at both because, I mean, obviously there's certain exceptions like the general of Nazis or uh, the Soviet Union or whatnot. But in the vast majority of cases, if both sides are right, both sides are wrong. It depends. Uh, but the bottom five, now I struggled with what I should do with this. But I think I feel I'm pretty confident with my choices. I have Obama, uh, Buchanan, Carter, Van Buren, and Clinton. Now, someone liberal I know uh, told me, well, you know, how could you put Obama uh, number one, he's only been in office uh, for two and a half months, ten weeks. And I said, uh, well, yeah, that might be the case, but the damage he's done so far, what he set into motion, I think almost certainly, unless he had a huge, a huge change of, of people, whether he had some, you know, epiphany on that he's been wrong all along. Barring that, I think he will be the most failed president in this country because his policies are doomed to fail. He is not capable of holding the highest office in this country, nor is he worthy of it. And for that reason, I think he is the worst president ever. And I think it's legit to say it at this point because I, I project down the road. Just like, I mean, I, I knew early on in the Bush administration that this guy's going to be a great president. Now, it kind of uh, kind of went out a little bit towards the end, which is why I don't rank him at number one. But I think he was still a, I would still say he was a great president. I think what he accomplished was tremendous. And certainly, people trying to sell him short of that. Well, I've seen a lot of lists that rank him in the middle as average. Um, I've seen others which are completely ridiculous to try and say he's one of the worst presidents ever. 
I think people who say that don't know much about history and are just pure leftist ideologues. People might try and say, well, you know, aren't you a rightist ideologue? You put Obama as the worst president. Well, I have, uh, I think I have uh, legitimate reasons to justify that. So, um, <laughs> I really, I really, I really think, I really think it, it's a good explanation that I have there. You know, people who try and say that about President Bush, I don't, certainly don't think it's the, it's the same, it's the same case. Um, but look. It would be great if I was wrong. For this country, I hope that I'm wrong. I just don't think I am. Um, yeah, and the other ones I think are pretty. So, uh, you know, people sometimes go, you know, I you think know, just like uh, Republicans or um, candidates who, or, you know, leaders who fit your viewpoints uh, and profile. And well, that's not always the case. Um, I give Truman credit for certain things, even though I, I think his containment policy was a bad idea. Uh, Andrew Jackson, although some of his policies uh, were a little harsh and a little, a little bit too much. I mean, you know, not there are certain Democrats who certainly are far better than the Democratic Party we have now. Even even uh, and bear in mind, not a big JFK OBJ fan, but. Um, I, I would take them over what we have now easily. Easily. No no question about it. There's certainly no question about it. Um Yeah. Anyone has any comments on that? Be happy to hear it. Uh if you want to Three four seven three zero eight eight zero seven three. If you think you can do it pretty briefly, give me a call. Uh, otherwise, we can talk about it next show. Fine with me. Um, you know, but look, certain leaders are, are once in a generation. I think President Bush will be remembered as as our generation's great leader. You know. We had Reagan at one time. And we had, you know, some people try and say, well, you know, President Bush wasn't a conservative. Well, no, no, that's, that's not fair. You can be a great conservative leader and have a couple shortfalls. But if you're right on 95% of the issues, you know, I mean, for instance, uh, President Reagan had a, had a test. You know, he said, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't know the exact quote offhand, but he said that uh, someone who agrees with you 80% of the time is your friend and your ally, not your enemy. So take that up to 95% of conservative principles being embraced by President Bush. Flip that, like 5% with Obama, <laughs> pretty much the, the basic bare bones things that he has to do just for the country to literally exist, survive. Um, and I think it's fair to say that the administration of President Bush was overall a great success. 
I'm not saying everything was perfect, and I think that this administration overall is headed down a path of tremendous failure and great trauma and disaster for our country. Just how I see it. Just how I see it. You can disagree with me. Um, say what you want. That's just how I feel. I'll stick by that. Because I have the courage of my convictions. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to close with saying this. A lot of people, I know a lot of people who are too afraid to stand up for what they believe. Think it's not expedient. Think it's going to make you not the most uh, popular person in the world. But you know what? It's better to be right and have a lot of enemies and be wrong and have a lot of supposed allies. But, um, you know? Because if we stand up for principle and we're right, we will be remembered for that. Same as if we do the other way, if we stand up for what's wrong and we're wrong. It is always best to do what you believe is right, to stand up for what you believe is right. And never let anyone intimidate you to do otherwise. And if you do, you're only letting yourself down, you're only letting everyone down, you're only letting the country down, you're only letting the world down. And let's not let that happen. So let no one, no one fall down that route. Let no one go down that path. And I really hope people start to do that. Because we have to stand up for what we believe in. We have to stand up for our principles, all of them. And if we don't do it, history will condemn us for it. And history will condemn our country for it, our civilization for it. And that's why it is vital, it is vital that we do this. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, it's been a it's been a great show. We're coming up in the last couple of minutes here. Uh, thanks to all the callers who called in today. Uh, it's been it's been fun. It's been phenomenal. Uh, well, hey, make sure you listen in. We're on here every Sunday, five to seven. Uh, yeah, tell your friends about it. Let the word spread. Uh, you can reach my page here at blogtalkradio.com/slash EJ, that's A-J-A-Y, dash Bruno, uh, or at uh, the ajbrunoshow.tk, outdoor. Listen to our archive shows, uh, send me a message. Uh, you can find my Facebook group, too. Uh, it's the AJ Bruno Show. Pretty easy to find on there. Join in, talk about the show. Um, that would be great. You can also listen to me every Wednesday on uh, the Patriots Hearts Network. I'll be on there be on there this Wednesday uh, from 9 to 11. I'm probably that's Eastern time, just so you know. So 5 to 7 Sunday, this page, Eastern, 9 to 11 on their page, Eastern also. Uh, hey, let me know what you think. Do you have any suggestions for the show? Anything uh, you want to add in? I'd be happy to hear about it. So it's great to hear that. Oh, we'll have a great show next time. See you on want to tune in for that. It's not something you're going to want to miss. And it should be a uh, good time all around. Okay. Well, coming up, coming up, we're coming up in the last few seconds of the show here. 
Uh, thanks again to everyone. I uh, hope you learned something uh, today. Hey, keep listening. You're not going to get the same kind of honest, straightforward commentary from anywhere else. I don't think so. Um, check out uh, our, our uh, caller from before show, too. He was certainly a very intelligent guy. Uh, very well-spoken. Hope we have more like that, too. Some uh, take some service again across our viewpoints. But hey, hope to see you next time. Uh, it's been fun. This is Abe Bruno. I am signing off for now. So have a fun week of making fun of the liberals. I sure will, too. Take it easy.